you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, guys, week 14 is almost, it's almost a wrap, man. And what a crazy week 14, man. Like, can we, can we just have a normal week this week? Like, why do we need 18 injuries, you know, in the matter of just a few hours? Like, we don't need this right now. We really don't. We were just talking about it before we started. And you just, I can't take it anymore. Like, I really can't. (laughs) Like, Zach, me, me and Zach are going up against each other. I'm trying to get you know, uh, a higher seed. We both made the playoffs, but, you, you know, I, I still, and everyone who's trying to make the playoffs this week, you're probably looking at me like, must be nice, must be nice for us that you're making the playoffs. I'm trying to still make it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you had Justin Herbert. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't make it in, whatever, whatever. But, uh, you know, Nico Collins had to go down with what? Ugh. He ran two routes. He caught one ball. He was looking good. And then it all of a sudden, good. he's out. It was out. Yeah. He, CJ Stroud leaving the game. Justin Herbert getting hurt. Uh, you know, I don't know why I was Jefferson coming to my head. He's out. Justin oh. Jefferson's left the game. Like, what is happening? They're all backbreaker injuries. And it's like the last week, like everybody who was supposed to be making these pushes for the playoffs just got boned <laughs> by injuries. Like it was just terrible. It's it's unbelievable, man. And and this just Sucks. Okay, well, listen, I'll say this. If you made it to the playoffs, you know, congratulations. Listen, we got to fight through all of this, right? Regardless of what's happening, we have to fight through. Okay, this is the reality of what we're going through right now. This is fantasy football. This is part of it. We happened to get hit really hard, you know, week 14 in a week where we we needed these guys to come through the most, but uh, didn't really work out the way that it could have. But for a lot of people, you made the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Regardless, so good for you. You know, me and Zach made the playoffs in most of our leagues. We're doing okay. So let's stick to the positive here. Let's move on. Let's have a good show. Okay. I'm a little on tilt. Maybe you can tell. I can't tell if you can tell. Can you tell? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I can tell. Uh, We're all on tilt. Yeah. Okay. We're all on tilt. Yeah. Yeah. A little <laughs> bit. You know, what I'm saying a little high strung right now. You know, what I'm saying maybe yeah. we'll make a good show. Yeah. Who knows? It's gonna make the, it's just right. gonna make the podcast that much more interesting. Don't worry about it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> all right. So. Moving on, let's talk about some takeaways from this show. That's what we're here for, week 14 takeaways. Let's assume you're going on to week 15 and you care about this stuff, right? And even if you don't, you know, I'm sure you like football, right? Yeah. So you care about what's going on. This is a very important time, even if you're not in the playoffs. This is a very important time to continue to pay attention because a lot of things happen. Week 14, week 15, week 16, week 17, even week 18. Pay attention, okay? Don't tune out. Don't tune out just because you didn't make the playoffs, okay? Because you're going to miss some key information. You're going to miss some some key things that happened, okay? Yeah. Uh, Dynasty you fantasy know, and, football, it's You real. have to pay attention for 2024 if you missed the playoffs. Now, if you made the playoffs, let's go. Let's yeah. go. It's time. It's time. <laughs> the other thing, it's not, it's, it's, it's not just the playoffs either. I don't know how many leagues have it, but I know in Sleeper, you know, there's this thing they call it toilet bowl. And you need to win out of the toilet bowl so that you're not getting the punishment if you're in the yes. toilet bowl. So there's definitely exactly a reason. Right. Your season is not over here because now you're fighting for your life at this point. <laughs> don't don't let yourself be the worst team. So yeah, there's, the, the season is not over whether you're in the playoffs or not at the end of week 14. You still got a couple weeks here that you got to be making moves. You got to be doing everything you can to have the best weeks possible. And we're going to help you do that. All right, let's start with some of the early window games. Okay. Let's start with the Colts. If you had Zach Moss or you picked him up after Jonathan Taylor went down, uh, you were hoping that he would really come through for you, 
but he had two pretty underwhelming fantasy performances. The volume's there. 22 opportunities on 94% of snaps in week 13. 21 opportunities on 84% of snaps today. Uh, extremely disappointing efficiency-wise in these two games. Uh, you know, 2.15 yards per carry for him in this one. Not great in a good matchup. Um, the yeah. eight targets is nice to see, but, you know, wish it amounted to more production. If you're in the playoffs, it's almost like you have to start him next week, right, with this type of, this type of you know, utilization because it could, it could lead to a 20-point performance pretty easily. Yeah, and – I know it's really hard to hang your hat on these past two performances that he's had these past two weeks. Like, you know, two straight games scoring single digit fantasy points. It's not a winning formula. But if you have Zach Moss, you know, and if I have Zach Moss, I'm absolutely starting him next week and moving forward. Like, I'm clinging tight to that utilization that he's had these past two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, what's encouraging to me about what we saw against the Bengals, if there's anything encouraging, you know, in that game, anything to be encouraged by, it was the fact that Moss's volume adapted to the game script. Like, suddenly he gets eight targets in a game where they were playing from behind the whole time. That checks out for me. You know, the Colts, they were a competitive game. They were in a competitive game last week. He had the 19 carries. They're clearly invested in Moss being a big part of the offense. He's still pretty much always on the field. Like they say, it's not the gift that counts. It's the thought that counts during the holiday season. And as we get closer to Christmas, you know, the fantasy points might not be there right now. They might not be all that in a bag of chips. But the thought behind this utilization, you know, that's what matters to me. Just keep plugging away with him in your lineup. I'm not worried about him. If the volume weren't there, I'd be worried about it. But he's clearly a part of the offense moving forward. Just leave Moss in your lineup. Michael Pittman was able to have a solid game. Eight for 95 on 11 targets. But Josh Downs, only three targets in this one, who went three for 32. Uh, Garner yeah. Minshew missed him on a wheel route that would have been a touchdown. He was wide open. But regardless, only three targets. So not what I expected at all. He had an amazing matchup. But instead, Zach Moss ended up with eight targets. And the tight ends combined for 12 targets. Like, can someone tell me why or how four different tight ends can get targets for one single team in one single game? Okay. And someone like Josh Downs, you know, gets three targets. Okay. So, you know, really iffy performance by Gardner Minshew in this one. I was I was a little too high on both of these guys, Gardner Minshew and Josh Downs this week. I had him as my wide receiver 30 on the week, but apparently that was too high. Apparently that was too high. And the thing for me, you mentioned the tight ends. Like if you ask any just standard rate NFL fan out there, just some, take someone off the street and ask, can you name a Colts tight end? I don't think they'd be able to. Like maybe they would say Mo Ali Cox, right? Because he's been like on the radar as like a little bit these past few years. But outside of that, like Will Mallory, who, what, <laughs> who are we talking about here? It's just ridiculous. Extremely disappointing game from Downs, like you mentioned. I don't blame you for having as high as you had him. You know, I was the same way. I thought the volume would be there. But now we have to go back and we have to look and figure out, you know, what did we see from Downs over the past few weeks that had us this high on him? If you look back, back, if you look back at just the past five weeks that he's played, you know, there's not a whole lot to like outside of that 113 target game. Granted, he was banged up those two games before the bye. He played roughly 20% of snaps in both of those games. But he's had just one game over five targets in the past five games. And Michael Pittman, he's clearly resumed his role as a clear number one on the outside. So I think at this point, you have to downgrade Josh Downs. As much as I like the talent still, like Dynasty, I'm not worried about him. It's just at this point, the way that the offense is moving, he's not as big a part of the offense as he was earlier in the season. And that could be due to injuries. You know, I'm not sure he's back 100% yet. But this was a really great matchup, and it just felt like he squandered it in a big spot, you know, especially if you were counting on him to get yourself in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, Joe Mixon came through like we expected. 24 touches, 125 total yards, had the rushing touchdown. This was a good matchup going in. We talked about it on the pod. 
63% of snaps. Chase Brown was also very involved. 11 touches, 105 yards himself. One week after him getting nine carries for 61 yards, he's looked very good with his opportunities over these last two games. So maybe, you know, maybe we see him as a Bengals starter next year if he can keep it going, right? Obviously, the Bengals would be in line for, you know, a candidate to draft a running back early, right? Um, But, you know, because I'm assuming Joe Mixon is not going to be there, but, you know, it, it, it was a good matchup for these running backs. They came through. But Jamar Chase, four targets in this game. It's the same amount as Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, yep. you know, only 17% target share for Jamar Chase, man. Come on, dude. Like, this is moving backwards, okay? Last week was awesome. The usage was great for Chase. But, you know, this went back to what it looked like the week before that. And, you know, we're just going to have to trust Chase, you know, next week against Minnesota. Like, it's just you can't really bench the guy. Because, you know, you can do exactly what he did in week 13, right? And, you know, because he has that in him, it's just like you just got to keep him in your lineup. <laughs> yeah, eat your vegetables. That's like the expression I use all the time with these guys. And I'm just going to go back and touch on Mixon quick before I get on Chase. You know, he must – Joe Mixon, he must have heard us talking about him, you know, being a product of the Bengals' offense on the podcast a couple of weeks ago because he's showing us that he's a big reason why the Bengals' offense is still operating at a high level even without Burrow. Like he's just kind of turned that on its head. Seven touchdowns over the past seven games, five top 10 finishes in the same span. After he scored just one touchdown over the first six games of the season, you know, that bye week definitely helped him. The volume is there. The production has followed. He has the production with the volume where Zach Moss didn't have that. He has the utilization, but not the production. So this is just another, you know, interesting case here. But the sad reality of Jamar Chase. There's no such thing as weak week consistency thanks to the QB situation. You know, lots of targets to running backs in this one tells you that as good as he's looked, Jake Browning, he's still a backup quarterback after all, you know, and he went out a little bit in this game. I think he came back. He's not hyper-focused on leaning on his top weapon in Jamar Chase. I think Jamar feels like a solid wide receiver to play every week. You know, I don't think that you have to sit here and panic and be like, oh, well, we can't trust him at all in our lineups. You can, but... The upside that he had last week against the Jaguars, it's not going to be every week. You're going to have floor weeks like this one, too. So you hit the nail on the head pretty much. The fluctuations there, there's no consistency. But I'm still going to put him in my lineup anyway because it's Jamar Chase, and we've seen Jake Browning. He's looked pretty good. It just wasn't Jamar Chase's turn this week. And we know Joe Burrow would lean on Jamar Chase heavily. You know, we saw that coming off of the bye and as Joe Burrow got healthier. But now that that consistent production, the consistent utilization isn't there, it's just going to be very finicky with him in your lineup moving forward. Browning did leave the game uh, for a little bit, but he ended up coming back. He was just fine. I think he had just cramps like in his hand or something like that. Um, Rashad White has been one of the best fantasy picks at ADP this year. He was our biggest. He was one of our biggest dynasty targets. He was one of our biggest targets at ADP this year in a redraft. And look at these rushing games now, man. Inefficient early on, and we had to depend on the receiving work. But over four yards per carry in each of the last three games, he's averaging 20 carries per game during this span here. Straight up league winner, dude. Like, And he yeah. definitely helped you get into the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. It's felt like, and I don't know, if you, you, you could tell me if it's felt like this, but it's felt like Rashad White has had the same fantasy performance like eight games in a row doesn't it like <laughs> it's it, it, it felt the same it's and great. it's great it's fantastic like usually when you have this consistency where it feels like the same production every week it's like a, a 10 or a 12 point thing but this is like a 16 18 20 points that you're getting every single week the usage has just been incredible and we knew that that would be the case for him but what's put him over the top as of late is the bucks offense looking pretty damn good you know we all had the bucks offense pegged as one of the worst in the league coming into the season that's what had what rashad white's price so low coming into drafts you know when we were talking about rashad white in 2023 it was like 
he's going to be a volume guy. And, you know, the touchdowns might not always be there, but the volume is going to be going to be getting 20 touches a game. You know, he's going to be fine, but he's getting those touchdowns now. There's not much more we can ask for from White at this point. Just like Joe Mixon, he's averaging a full touchdown per game over his past six games. And there aren't any signs of that slowing down anytime soon. He has a pretty neutral matchup against the Packers next week, but that hasn't mattered over his hot streak. Like the matchup has not been something to really consider. Just start White the rest of the way with confidence. A thousand percent, man. All right. Uh, now, this was not the week for Mike Evans to decide to have one catch for eight yards. Okay, Unbelievable. Mike, we needed you this week. He came through every single week, dude. Not in this matchup, man. We need you. We needed you. See, even in tough matchups, he came through, um, and uh, you know he couldn't get anything going at all today. Uh, Chris Godwin right. ended up leading the team with eleven targets. He only had five catches for fifty-three yards on those 11 targets, but just huge disappointment for Mike Evans this week, man. Listen, does it suck that he laid his first egg of the year in the final week of the regular season? Yeah, it does. But chances are, if you drafted Mike Evans, you probably weren't teetering on the edge of making the playoffs or missing it anyway, because he's been, he's been a fantastic wide receiver. You probably drafted him as like, Oh, a dart throw wide receiver three, and maybe he'll pan out. Maybe he'll get five or six touchdowns this year. He's been anything but that. He's just been fantastic. So I have sympathy for you, but at the same time, it's like, you're probably not, uh, you're probably not tilting about that this week because you're probably already no in the playoffs. No yeah. sympathy for, <laughs> he, from a Zach on this one. Yeah, he earned the right to have a dud. You know, with the way that he's played this year, I'm not going to let one game cloud my judgment of him. He'll still be ranked as a top ten receiver next week against the Packers, right? Like, yeah. can we say no? He, he, of course, he's going to be. He will. And and Jerry Alexander, like, is he going to be back for that for that matchup? Who who knows? But it honestly doesn't yeah. matter because Jerry Alexander right. has been giving up uh, a ton of. A ton of production against him this year. On the other side of the ball, Drake London showed us exactly what he's capable of. And um, I felt like it was a personal attack on me personally because he went up. You had him in our matchup going up against me. Ten catches for 172 <laughs> yards. Like, man, like we love that you're capable of this. But, you know, outside of you, Zach, you know, a lot of people probably had Drake London on their bench this week. Um, yeah. So, you know, hopefully, it, you know, you guys had him in your lineup because he definitely came through, you know, and, and, you know, now he has Carolina next week. Right. And and that's a tough matchup. Like he's probably a wide receiver three for that matchup, but he's just tough to trust. Right. Like, yeah, like for you personally, Zach, like, does this game make you trust him more or are you still kind of feeling the same way about him moving forward? Uh, it's not going to change the way I feel about him moving forward. I, I'm going to say no. I don't trust him anymore after this game because what we've seen from him on a more consistent basis is mediocre to non-satisfactory production his whole season. It's not just, oh, he's getting the targets and not catching. It's like the targets have been all over the place. I've taken the bait before with London. I'm going to say no, <laughs> especially with the Panthers, like you mentioned, on deck next week. Carolina, they've been legit on defense, even though the team overall is just terrible. You know, Chris Olave needed a late touchdown to save his day today, and Derek Carr lived up to his name as the league's most mid-quarterback against him this week. And, you know, the, the Panthers have done a very good job of limiting offensive production. Like, I, we talked about it coming in the week. Dak Prescott, C.J. Stroud had quiet games against him. C.D. Lamb had a quiet game against him. The Panthers have been good on defense. That's not the issue. You know, it was great to see London get the double-digit targets and catches, especially since he was in my lineup. But before this week, he only had more than six catches in a game once this season, and that was against the commanders of all teams, you know, the best wide receiver matchup you can have. This was also a really good matchup on paper. You know, his schedule the rest of the way isn't fantastic. What really stood out to me, though, and just straight up shocked me, was the fact that all of the Falcons' top draft picks on offense had solid days. Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown. Did you know that? 
Bijan Robinson scored a yeah. touchdown. Drake London, 170 plus receiving yards. Like we've entered the twilight zone, right? That's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> That's that has to be it. Now, Kyle Pitts, three catches for 57 yards on six targets with that touchdown. And it's somewhat meaningful because in week 13, the week before, his route participation jumped from like a consistent 65% uh, to 90% last week. And then he ended up with eight targets against the Jets that week, right? And then this week, it was at 91%. So we're not we're now seeing two weeks in a row of intentional increased usage for Kyle Pitts. Now, this is not the best matchup in the world next week against Carolina, but still startable. And he has two solid matchups in weeks 16 and 17. So if you are having tight end trouble, which I know a lot of people are, Pitts is a lot more startable now than he was just a couple weeks ago, simply because he's being used in a much more, much better way, you know? Yeah. So still not, you know, a top, still not a top 10 tight end for me. But mm-hmm. he's somebody that you could stream if you need him. Yeah, I'm not convincing him, convincing myself that this is a start of some miraculous turnaround for Pitts either. I think he's a low tight end one at best for me, and that's at best. Yeah. You know, he's still not anywhere close to where he should be given in ter- given his talent in terms of his usage. We know the usage has gone up in terms of snap share, but the target share still isn't there. I don't think that's going to be corrected this season. So the fact that we know that it's not just about that coming in, you know it really waters down the discussion that we have about him every week. So for me, I'm the same in the same boat as you. Justin Fields was a great start this week. We talked about it. DJ Moore was a great start this week. We talked about it. Both of them came through big time. DJ Moore with a touchdown on the ground and a touchdown through the air. Uh, that touchdown coming under free play. That's exactly what Fields has to do, man. Like he recognized the free free play. He threw it downfield. And, it, you know, it amazes me when quarterbacks don't throw the ball downfield, give their guys a chance on these free plays, like recognizing yep. the free plays. It happens all the time. Where it's like these quarterbacks, like, dude, like, you know, there's a free play. Like, do your thing. Like, you, yeah, they like, you check, have one job. Like, check it down to the running back. It's like, yeah, that it's makes just no like, sense. what are you doing? Or they throw it out of bounds <laughs> and I'm just like, give your guy a chance. Who cares? Right. Right. Um, but good play there, obviously. DJ Moore ended up with 10 targets. He's a must start with fields at quarterback, but tough matchup next week against Cleveland. You know, like he might not be in my top 10 next week like he's been these past couple weeks um, because he had he's had good matchups. So with that being said, he should be in lineups. But, you know, I got to downgrade him a little bit, especially if Denzel Ward ends up being back next week. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, the, the Browns are a really tough matchup on paper. You know, I, I think we can rank him outside of our top 10 based on what we've seen from the Browns defense this season. But I think his upside still like right in there. You know, yeah, I think that. Best case scenario for him is still inside the top 10. And it might be more difficult for him to hit that, you know, in a tough matchup versus what he's seen these past few weeks. But he's had at least nine targets in each of these past four games. And he's definitely helped a lot of teams push for the playoffs. There's no reason to even consider benching him, you know, moving forward. Remember, like we said, tough matchup next week. Great matchup in week 16, though, against the Cardinals. I think Moore is going to have a safe enough floor that he won't be the reason that you lose out of the playoffs if you're in them in week 15. So if you could just weather the storm next week, you should be set up well in the semifinals, you know, in that matchup against the Cardinals. And just to go back on that play, like you mentioned on the free play, that was an absolute laser beam of a pass. Like it was beautiful. It hit him right in stride. He didn't even have to put his arms out. He like opened his hands up just a little bit and just landed right in the bucket. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Bears do this offseason because if Justin Fields keeps playing like this like do you do you go draft a quarterback <laughs> like I don't even know I, I, I still where have I a begin. strong feeling I have a feeling that they're going to just keep Justin Fields and build around him uh, I still feel that way right now I, I think he um, showed enough if you ask me but listen 
there's some good quarterbacks coming out, right? So there's going to be a serious conversation around it. But I think that with the right coaching, this offense can be dynamic, extremely dynamic with Justin Fields at quarterback. I really right. do think so. I, I think so, too. He, he, he's shown enough, right, where the tools are there. The right coach can get the best out of him, right? He doesn't yeah. necessarily have that right now, but I think he can he can end up doing it. Um, now, speaking of the Bears, Deontay Foreman came back. He ended up uh, leading the Bears' backfield with 14 opportunities, 72 yards on 13 touches. Uh, Roshan Johnson is droppable. He was third on the depth chart in this game pretty much. Second straight game of Khalil Herbert playing second fiddle. I'm okay dropping him to 55% of snaps for Foreman. Uh, he still can't cross the RB2 threshold for me because it's still like a three-man backfield right now. Uh, if you had to desperately start one of these guys, it would be Foreman, though, uh, as your yeah. flex play. Desperately starting is exactly how I would qualify it. <laughs> you know, if you have to... Yeah, if, you if you have need to. It, yeah. If you need to have any of these running backs in your lines moving forward, and I wouldn't wish that on anyone besides the person I'm playing next week in fantasy football, like, you're, you're, you're in trouble. It's pretty yeah. clear that... Any offense the Bears have is going to be coming from Justin Fields and DJ Moore. The ground game is just there to fill plays where it's not one of those two during doing their thing. The Bears were up all, all game in this one, too. And then to have that kind of game script yield only 19 total touches to the running back room as a group in a positive game script, it just shows you that there's not enough there in Chicago's backfield. Make any of these guys really even worth considering in your lineup besides Foreman. And like you mentioned, desperate start right there. On the other side, not a great week for Amon Ross St. Brown to decide to not put up fantasy points. Nine <laughs> targets, but only three catches for 21 yards. Uh, Him, Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, right? They all played full games, but did not come through. Very, very rough. Obviously, you're continuing to start him, continuing to start him moving forward. Um, it's funny, just with Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know if you saw some of the posts this week, but it's like they put out, it was PFF, they put out a post that said, like, Amon Ross St. Brown's worst fantasy week of the season, 12.9 points. They're like, talk about having a fantastic safe floor. And now he comes out and he bottoms <laughs> out this week. Like, again, if you had Amon Ross St. Brown, you're probably not like tilting on this a lot because you miss the playoffs because of him. But at the same time, it's like not ideal because, especially like you mentioned, if it's like you where you're fighting for, for positioning, maybe you're trying to get a buy. That could have been the difference. A hundred percent, man. Um, moving to the Browns. Uh, look at Joe Flacco keeping the Browns receivers extremely fantasy relevant. Elijah Moore did his typical Elijah Moore thing this season, meaning he didn't really come through. Uh, Amari Cooper, 14 targets, 7 for 77. Solid game for him. David Njoku, huge advantage if you had him in your lineup. 6 for 91 and two touchdowns on eight targets. Only two catches for 17 yards last week, but he bounced back big time in this game. Yeah. Are, are you salty at all? Like I am like, I'm extremely salty. Not, and I didn't even have David Njoku in my lineups that he had the 27 points in the first half. And then he had none in the second half. He just did nothing. Like, did he really did have that, none in the second half? I yeah, didn't realize that. Did, did that. did Did that piss you off at all? Cause it pissed me off. Cause I put no, it, when I, I put it, I put out the post today. <laughs> and it said, we got 27 fantasy points from David Njoku, and we got a whole half of football to play. Here, I didn't, I didn't know the game ended for David Njoku at halftime, but it did. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just, like, ridiculous. I love, I've loved the first two weeks of the Joe Flacco experience, and you know, all jokes aside. I don't care how many people say that he's old or he can't get it done. He was actually moving out of the pocket and throwing on the run a lot in this game. He looked pretty good doing it, too. And his arm? I think it looks as good as 80% of the other arms in the league. <laughs> you know, he's thrown five Hashtag. touchdowns over his past two games. Hashtag elite. Hashtag yeah. elite. 
right? That's what I'm saying. You know, granted, the Browns did have two pretty easy matchups, you know, since Joe Flacco's been the starter. But there's an explosive element in the passing game that Flacco brings that DTR, PJ Walker, even Deshaun Watson, they weren't bringing, you know, to the passing offense. So I'm fine starting Cooper and Najoku moving forward and Elijah Moore, too, as a flex if you need someone in a pinch. Like you mentioned, he's not going to come through and have a huge game for you, but he does have a safe enough floor where if you put him at your flex, you're not completely hung out to dry. And the way, way Joe Flacco is playing, like the targets are going to be there. He's thrown 40-plus passes in the two games he's played off the couch. A very similar performance on the other side of the ball. 11 catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns for Evan Engram. Um, it looks like without Christian Kirk, Engram is becoming a little bit of a focal point here. Uh, we saw it last week. We saw it, this, we saw it again this week. 12 targets for him. Very, very top-heavy target distribution from Trevor Lawrence this week. Engram with 12 targets. Calvin really with 13 targets. Only four catches, by the way. Not great. And 14 targets for Zay Jones. So three touchdown passes from Lawrence. Three interceptions also. Some bad interceptions. But 257 yards. Uh, you know, decent numbers for fantasy. You know, he didn't play a great game, though. Um, he had some bad plays. Yeah. Ended up making some good ones, too. Like, But it was a little too late. Uh, at least we know that these these other these weapons on on this team they're they're still very usable moving forward despite the injury that that Trevor Lawrence faced last week. Yeah, and, and so the with Trevor Lawrence, you know, he had some bad plays, but I, can we attribute it to his ankle? You know, he was obviously playing hurt, and that's what that happened. That's just how it happened. So I, I'm kind of giving him a mulligan here, but. The target share, Evan Ingram, he's come on these past two weeks. If I'm not mistaken, what does he have? Three touchdowns in the past two weeks? Something like that? He, yeah, these are his a first lot of, three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. You know, I, I did a post a little earlier in the season. I put it in one of the newsletters. It was like, Evan Ingram is suffering from Deontay Johnson syndrome because he's getting all these targets, but he's not scoring touchdowns. And now they're coming in bunches. And now that Christian Kirk is out, he was like the most consistent target earner of anyone in this offense. You know, people don't really realize that. Are we to the point now where we're writing off Calvin Ridley as a potential like target leader in this offense? Because that's kind of where I'm at. If Evan Engram is now like the number one guy these past two weeks with Christian Kirk out, like Calvin Ridley, how comfortable are you even starting him as like a wide receiver too? Like, I'm not very comfortable with that. Like, I think as a he's wide receiver kind of two. I'm not. I'm not comfortable as a wide receiver two. He he's, right. he was a wide receiver three for me this week, and I think he'll continue to be a wide receiver three for me. We, we knew this was a tough matchup, and that's part of it. So that's why I was like, wide receiver two, it could be in the conversation for me. At least it could have been in the conversation for me, especially tough with Christian up. Kirk going down. But yeah, but Evan Ingram now showing us that he's going to be getting the targets, you know, no matter what, is kind of telling me, okay, time to roll back Calvin Ridley a little bit. That's my takeaway from what we saw yeah. today, because he, he had the targets, but he's clearly not getting it done to the, anywhere near the level that we would expect him to, given the injury to Christian Kirk and just the way that the offense is playing you know, in general. And Baltimore next week doesn't make things easier for no. for uh, Calvin Ridley, right? Yeah. The Rams had a decent day against them, though. That's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but Stafford's playing. Lights out. Pretty yeah. damn good yeah. right now, right? Yeah. Um, Chuba Hubbard with another 20-plus carry game, 23 carries and 25 total opportunities in this one on 78% of snaps, 25 carries last week, and they have Atlanta next week. Uh, but that's two 20-plus fantasy point days for Hubbard, and then he didn't score this week, so only 11.6 PPR fantasy points. Um, and these three games that he just played, that he scored a ton of fantasy points, like they were all away from Carolina. So, And, and it's all about game yeah. script with Hubbard, um, and I'm not sure Atlanta next week will run away with the game, next, you know, especially with them playing in Carolina. It's a home game for them. 
So Hubbard will be usable once again uh, in that one as a volume-based, like, low-end RB2. Um, the cool thing is that he's running a lot of routes compared to the other Carolina running backs as well. Um, so he has a few outs here. Um, he has his floor, right? And then if he scores his touchdown, you're looking at a 20-point game potentially. Yeah, and the problem with Druba Hubbard is he's not going to be gifted a touchdown. If they're going, going to be scoring a touchdown, it's going to be him doing all of the work. <laughs> you know. And this is one of those games where it was a really weird game overall. You know, Derek Carr had terrible stats, but the Saints still put up 28 points. It was just a really weird game. But with Chuba Hubbard, you know, you mentioned the usage that he's getting. He's been getting that the past three or four weeks now. Miles Sanders is an afterthought, even though he was pretty efficient on the carries that he got. But at that point, you know, this this game was never in hand. It doesn't really matter. Chuba Hubbard, he is the lead back at this point. Like, Miles Sanders probably isn't going to be with the team at the end of the season. They're pro- they probably caught him. I'm not sure what the contract situation is, but they paid him a lot of money to do a whole lot of nothing. Um, but Chuba Hubbard now, how he has the usage, it's not changing. And like you mentioned, he's been super startable. I- I'm fine with him as an RB2 moving forward. Chuba Hubbard played 62 snaps in this game, and Miles Sanders played only 17. Okay, so that, yeah. that, that, that tells you what you <laughs> need to telling. know about yeah. this right now that's a huge disparity that's the biggest disparity we've seen between these two guys this season our sponsor for this episode is better vision it's an app that allows you to keep track of all of your bets in one place if you have accounts on all of these different sports books you have to switch between them to see whether you're up or not you lose track of where you play certain bets and it gets confusing but not anymore not with better vision all of your bets are tracked in one place and not only that the best part is Better Vision will let you know which betting platforms have the best odds for certain bets. All right. So if you like a play, normally you will look through all of your apps one by one to see what which one has the best odds. Uh, and then you end up playing on that app. But why not have a side-by-side comparison all on one screen within one app? And then you just click on the bet that you want to make within Better Vision and you're good to go. Okay, go check it out. It's completely free. Go to bettervision.us or go to the App Store and search Better Vision. That's better with an O. So B-E-T-T-O-R Vision in the App Store today. The Wilson to Wilson connection is real. We talked about Zach Wilson being an upgrade for Garrett Wilson, and now we have five straight games of these guys getting it done despite their circumstances. Here's what Garrett Wilson has done in his last five games with Zach Wilson. 8 for 90 on 12 targets, 7 for 100 on 13 targets, 7 for 80 on 13 targets, 9 for 93 on 14 targets, and in this game, 9 for 108 on 14 targets. No touchdowns in this game. Well, no touchdowns at all in these in, in all <laughs> in these that games, but I will take it, okay? At least Zach has been able to get Garrett the ball. That's all we can ask for, okay? According to Fantasy Life data, fantasylife.com, he hasn't finished outside the top 16 wide receivers in any of these games, and he's averaging 37% target share in these games. Okay, so you love to see it. Brees Hall is yeah. also benefiting as well. He finished top seven in three of these five five weeks as well. So who knew how happy we'd be to have Zach Wilson back? <laughs> right, and this was the first game where the Jets, you know, obviously they won. And it was by a lot. But this was the first time that the Jets offense, the product on field, it wasn't like we were just sitting here saying, well, at least the fantasy production was good. You know, the product on field was good, too. And that's good because, you know, moving forward now, it look I, I, you have to imagine Zach Wilson could be a starter the rest of the way, regardless of what yeah. happens. You know, because yeah. th- there's no going back now. I mean, I guess we could have said the same thing, you know, once they benched him. It's like there's no going back to Zach Wilson. 
But the way the situation they're in right now, it's just going to have to be Zach Wilson the rest of the way. I'm perfectly fine with that. The way that you see, like you mentioned, I, I would have li- listed off the game log too for Garrett Wilson to just show people you know, this connection that's there. People don't want to look at Zach Wilson as a quarterback that can really get it done as someone that can have that type of connection with the receiver. But Garrett Wilson has been able to get those targets. Zach Wilson was also delivering the ball to Brees Hall. You know, it's a huge difference from what we saw with Tim Boyle over the past two weeks. So good news here for Zach Wilson. I'm encouraged. I think that this can happen. They These guys can have some upside, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson moving forward, you know, with Zach Wilson, as long as they just keep things in check, you know, generally on offense. I think we're going to be fine. You don't have to worry about it. You can expect this type of performance moving forward. Yep. The Texans are facing brutal injuries, and so is my fantasy team. We lost Tank Dell last week. We had we lost Nico Collins so early in this game. He ran two routes. He caught a ball in one of those routes, and he might have been on his way to a big game. We needed him. I needed him, and now he has a calf injury. Uh, he missed a, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. He missed a game a couple of weeks ago with that calf injury. Hopefully, this isn't something that will cause him to miss next week, but it is possible that he misses next week. It's possible that he misses more than next week because he re-injured his calf. So this really sucks, okay, because he has Tennessee next week. Amazing matchup, right, in the first week of the fantasy playoffs, right? And and I I really wish that he would play. Um, Can you tell that I have him on my fantasy teams? I don't know if you can tell. But (laughs) if Collins is back, let's say Collins is back. Right. Yeah. It's possible CJ Stroud isn't available for that game because he suffered a concussion in this game. He's in the protocol. So now we have to monitor that all week long. And if Collins misses this game and if CJ Stroud plays, then you have to move Noah Brown up the ranks a little bit. And I'm guessing Robert Woods will be fantasy relevant, maybe, you know. Uh, So imagine having to start one of those guys in your fantasy playoffs. But a lot of moving pieces here for the Texans. You know, ideally, in a perfect world, we have CJ Stroud and Nico Collins back next week, but it's not seeming, it's not seemingly likely at this point. Yeah, it's like your fantasy team after you deal with all these injuries to the Texans. It's like building a piece of code. If CJ Stroud plays, then you know you got to figure out what the conditions <laughs> are and then decide what's going to happen. Like if Collins is back, but CJ Stroud isn't, it's like you got to figure out. You have to navigate that. For me. It's all going to hinge on whether C.J. Stroud is back because I think there's going to be a productive wide receiver to be had in this offense as long as C.J. Stroud plays. We saw Noah Brown do that a couple weeks ago. So I'm not concerned about it if C.J. Stroud plays and I'm like, oh, no, I got to put Noah Brown or Robert Woods in my lineup. Obviously, I prefer Noah Brown in that situation, but I think Robert Woods will have enough of a floor with the volume that he would get in that situation that he would be usable for fantasy. He wouldn't just be you know, rolling over and dying. But if Collins would be back and C.J. Stroud doesn't play, I'm definitely worried. (laughs) because <laughs> Davis Mills, I, I don't trust him. We've seen him, you know, we saw We got a whole season of him last season. I, I'm not expecting a whole lot from him if he does go. So my attention is going to be on CJ Stroud first, then Nico Collins. Personally, I don't think Nico Collins can be back this week. I'm not a doctor, but the way that he just left and was immediately ruled out and he dealt with the calf injury before, it's all just like bad juju. And I don't want to trust it and be like, thinking that he's going to be in my lineup in this good matchup against the Titans moving forward. I'm going to say, assume you're without him and hope for better news You know, later in the week. We still got time between now and later in the week, so we'll see what happens. But C.J. Stroud, I mean, it seems like at the beginning of the season, nobody was coming back from the concussion protocol. You know, they, they get a concussion, and be like, oh, well, they're out the next week. But recently, it's been like people entered a concussion protocol, they're in it for four days, and then they're back. Sometimes they're ruled back in and ready to go, you know, before Saturday some weeks. So, like... 
I'm paying attention to CJ Stroud most than Collins, but just brutal string of injuries. I, I put the post out today about it. Like if you look at the Texans offense two weeks ago and then the Texans offense today, it, it's very, very different. <laughs> the Texans backfield moved back in the direction of Devin Singletary this week. I kind of expected this to happen. Um, 57% of snaps for him. Davian Pierce ended up playing only eight snaps in this game. Uh, Dara Ogunbowale played more snaps than Damian Pierce. That tells you what you need to know. But Singletary had 63% of the running back opportunities in this one. Uh, he also had the only goal line snap as well. So that's a positive development for him. Um, he also played a majority of the two-minute snaps too. So he, he, has, he has a good role on this offense. Yep. When CJ Stroud's in there, I think Singletary, you can definitely start him, you know, as a solid RB2 moving forward. Um, and, and, you know, you want this to stick because he's been the only effective Texans running back this year. Yeah, so I, I, I think that this is definitely a good thing for Devin Singletary as far as usage goes. But do you think there's any caveat here? Because, you know, we know Damian Pierce is the early down back, quote unquote. If he was going to have a role, that would be where it is. And when you're down the entire game like they were and you lose your starting quarterback, like you're probably not going to be using that running back just by default. You know, it might not be a decision to be made. Okay, we're going to have Devin Singletary in for most of the game. So for me, I don't know. I don't want to buy too much into it because we saw it switch back to Damian Pierce a week or two ago, and now it's like, mm, it's back to Devin Singletary. I think that if you're going to have one on your roster, and this has been the consensus, you're, it would be Devin Singletary. That's who you want on your, on your team, who you want in your lineup. Damian Pierce, you're obviously not starting him, but I'm still not necessarily sold you know, on Devin Singletary yet being the number one guy just because this game script was way out there and there was no reason yeah, to have Damian Pierce I, I, I will say, though, that the game script didn't really play a factor in this one because the game was 0-0 in the first half, right? And um, and then Singletary basically played, like, the entire first half, like, himself, right? Damian Pierce hardly saw the field, and he was the primarily – Singletary was a primary early down back uh, in this game. So because of that, I, I'm I'm thinking that, okay, well – this was something that I could see coming in terms of like, well, Damian Pierce, but he got his opportunity again. He he didn't quote unquote lose his job because of injury. Right. And I think a lot yeah. of teams, a lot of coaches don't want a player to think that they lost their job because of an injury. And that would have been the case if Damian Pierce didn't get an opportunity again. Right. He got his opportunity last week. He squandered it. And now Devin Singletary okay. came yeah, back and ended up mm -hmm. doing his thing. That's kind of how I'm looking at the situation. So I think moving forward now, it's going to be Singletary's job. Um, will Devin, will Damian Pierce end up like messing things up here and there with the goal line <laughs> touchdown here, a goal line yeah. touchdown? Maybe, probably. Uh, but I do think that Singletary is way safer moving forward. This is kind of what you want to see. Now the opportunity is kind of matching what we've kind of known about this backfield over the past several weeks. So. Hoping that this sticks. Like you, I'm not 100% sold. But I think this is kind of like, in my head coming into this week, I told myself, I said, hey, listen, if Singletary ends up, you know, being the guy for the most part, I think I would trust it a lot more. So that's kind of how I'm, how I'm viewing it uh, moving <laughs> forward. Um, okay. Now, remember this guy, um, what's his name? Uh, Cooper Cup? Yeah. I, I think I remember him. 10 targets, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Looked eerily similar to that other Cooper Cup that we all know and love. Okay, so not really sure what Demarcus Robinson is doing with 10 targets, but I'm assuming that's not going to continue. But Cup is heating up at the right time here. Okay, Cup and Puka are both getting the target shares. Matthew Stafford is playing very well right now. 
look at how he's looked against two of the best defenses these last two weeks. Okay, that was a gauntlet, dude. Going against going up yeah. against the Browns and the Ravens. And look how he's played. And now these wide receivers, right, have Washington next week at home. They are absolutely mm. must starts for that matchup. Did you just did you just say mm? I just mm. heard something. I, yeah. Did you just get Mm. I just heard that. Mm. Oh yeah, right. look at my chops with uh, that one. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Sorry. I, my mic is so, good. You can't hear me licking my chops. Over your that your mic is your <laughs> mic is way too good, bro. Because I just heard. Yeah. Mm, I just heard something. <laughs> you, you just yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah. but these guys are absolutely must starts for that matchup. Um, Stafford is one hundred percent in play as well. He's had three straight big fantasy days. He's thrown ten touchdown. Ten, he's thrown ten touchdowns over these last three weeks. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Fantastic. Like, this is a complete turnaround from what we were seeing earlier in the season where there was no upside. And we were all panicking a couple weeks ago about Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. It's like, okay, Matthew Stafford, that was the reason we were all panicked. It was like, Matthew Stafford hasn't looked like Matthew Stafford. Now these past three weeks, he's turned it on. <laughs> and they're playing very well. And they, they play well enough to win that game. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I just want to comment on this quick just because it was such a ridiculous finish. You know, you talk about the Ravens scoring the touchdown. It was the punt return. And it just reminded me of the Jets game earlier in the season in week one against the Bills. And then you had after the game, everyone was like circling the one guy who was like, quote unquote, holding and like, oh, they missed a call on the last punt. I was like, this feels just like the Jets game all over again. Like that. I just had to get that out there because it was just something I saw that was hilarious. But you look back at what this is, like Demarcus Robinson, I don't think he's going to stick around getting 10 targets like you mentioned, but he does seem like he's part of the offense. You know, I don't want to say that it's somebody that you should be picking up. Like maybe you had him near waivers if you're really thin at wide receiver, but it's Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua right now. Like you mentioned, I don't want to just like re-anoint Cooper Cup as like this. He's back. You know, this is Cooper Cup again. Everything's good. But this is a step in the right direction, 100%. Like you mentioned, if we can treat this, if he, if he can turn this not into just like heating up a streak now, it's not just like a blip on the radar, which is very possible with them going to the commanders next week. Like this could put them right in tune, you know, for for what we want to see from them the rest of the way. The, like Pukunakua, I know Demarcus uh, Robinson got a lot of targets, but Pukunakua had eight targets of his own. I'm not worried about it. And he had that one diving catch. It was just like, come on, man. So, it was ridiculous. So yeah. pretty. Beautiful. So nice. <laughs> He was the so ball high placement, for it too. Yeah, he still right. was like ah, they, they got it on yeah. the hot mic. It was, it was it was awesome. Hell yeah, man. Um, so yeah, no, and and like you said, uh, Demarcus Robinson definitely worth considering picking up in deep deeper leagues because he ran the same amount of routes as Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua in this game. Okay, so they, they played primarily eleven personnel, pretty much exclusively eleven personnel, three wide receivers in the field, and he was one of those wide receivers on the field. Okay, so yeah. something to Tell me to keep in mind for sure. Um, on the other side of the ball, Zay Flowers and OBJ ended up leading the Ravens with 10 targets ten targets each. Isaiah likely also got it done, 5 for 83 and a touchdown. But OBJ had that long 46-yard touchdown. He finished with 97 yards and a touchdown. I mentioned last week that his target share has been creeping up. His targets per route run has been damn near 50% over the previous two weeks. Uh, but I think the biggest development this week was his route participation. It finally went up to 60%. According to FantasyLife.com's free utilization report, it's the highest it's been since week nine. Uh, I think he's a little bit more trustworthy moving forward. Um, you want those routes to still go up here, but it's looking like when he's on the field, Lamar is targeting him, right? So I liked him this week as a high-end flex play, and I think he might enter the wide receiver three conversation in a good matchup against the Jaguars. We know that Lamar loves targeting OBJ deep, 
And coming into week 14, the Jaguars are, are allowing the third highest rate of 40-plus yard receiving plays. Okay, so he's in heavy consideration for some upside in my lineup in week 15. Absolutely. And that comes off of the matchup 100%. That just makes it even better. You know, on the heels of a good game like you just had today, you have a good matchup coming in next week. That's fantastic. The other thing, like you mentioned, does Lamar Jackson like targeting OBJ deep? How many times do you see him drop back? And I don't know if you notice Lamar Jackson's throwing motion. It's just hilarious. It's like a, a baseball player. You just see him like flick his wrist sideways yeah. and the ball just goes 40 yards downfield. And it's like every time they put, they pan the camera down the field, it's like it's OBJ. And there were a couple plays where Lamar Jackson was short, you know, but it worked out. OBJ, he had two plays today where he it was like elite adjustment. I don't know if you saw it. The first one was on the touchdown, obviously late. But then the second one was also to get a first down where Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson just kind of sailed it. But Odell was like, yeah. he spun all the way around with his head looking up. Yeah. Like his face was up in the sky. Like he's back. I don't want to say he's back. I don't want to say he looked like, I don't want to say he's back to like vintage it, it, Odell. It's but that, those it's are that vintage. raw ability. It's that raw yeah. ability that he has that just comes out. Even though he's an old receiver, even though he's not the same guy, that raw ability comes out in these playmaking yeah. moments. And it's still there. That's the thing for me. Like People would probably think, oh, no, Beckham Jr. And I was, I don't want to say I was guilty of this, <laughs> but I was definitely writing off OBJ a little bit earlier in the season because I was looking at the guys around him. I was like, Zay Flowers, super dynamic, super young, you know? And it's weird because Zay Flowers had a good game too with OBJ coming on. Lamar Jackson also, by the way, let's just put this out there, had his best fantasy day in a long time today. That was awesome. Yeah. He had 30-plus points. Fantastic. If they can get – if they could just bottle up that type of passing attack, you know, with what they're doing in the ground game, like they're going to be unstoppable, and that's going to be great news for fantasy football. And They've taken the step in the right direction. But it looks like, like you mentioned, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a piece to have on your team, not just as somebody on the bench that you throw in. It might be somebody that you're starting, you know, making decisions about, you know, moving forward. So that, that's good. The Vikings Raiders almost went scoreless <laughs> the entire game. Okay, but they ended up the Vikings ended up scoring a field goal. This game ended ended three zero. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. But believe it or not, there are actually a, a few takeaways from this game. Josh Jacobs got hurt. Okay, he left the game with a knee injury. We'll have to monitor that. <laughs> Zamir White, I think for, for me, would probably be the guy for that early down role. Uh, Chargers next week, Chiefs after that, and then Colts after that. All solid matchups for running backs, and then. On top of that, like the way the Raiders defense is playing, like you probably shouldn't expect the game script to really get away from them in any of these games, even the Chiefs game, right? This is a division game, and I feel like Chiefs offense isn't that good anyway. So <laughs> I, I don't really expect oh like, I don't really expect um <laughs> the game script to really get away from them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But it's like oh, just hearing the generalization about the Chiefs offense not being that good, like I haven't heard that in a long time. Like since Patrick Mahomes, like it wasn't even like we weren't even we weren't even sniffing like the Chiefs' offense not being that good. And now it's like, man, the, you know they could be in trouble. They're not doing well on offense. So I think you're right on that point, right there. The game script isn't going to get away. I hope Josh Jacobs isn't out too long. You know, we'll monitor that, like you mentioned. Um, Zamir White would be the pickup, but for me, like. I'm not buying a whole lot into this offense outside of Josh Jacobs, you know, and Devontae Adams. He had some target share like usual today, but there wasn't a whole lot of upside. This is just a ridiculous game. Like this didn't feel like the game that would be zero zero into the fourth quarter. Like right. that was supposed to be the Steelers and the Patriots. <laughs> I don't know. This game had Absolutely. no business being as low scoring as it was. Justin Jefferson, he also left this game in the first half. Not good. Okay, he ended up going to the hospital after this game. It's possible that he has fractured ribs. 
this absolutely sucks, man. Like coming off of IR, now he misses. He he might end up missing week fifteen, and if Jefferson misses next week, you know, I guess you'd be willing to start Addison as a wide receiver three. Then T.J. Hawkinson probably get his targets as well. But I don't know, man. And, and also, by the way, like we have no idea who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Vikings next week because Josh Dobbs was benched in this game for Nick Mullins. So now we have yeah. no idea who the quarterback's going to be. So That's ridiculous. A, a, a lot of uncertainty right now, you know, and, and and this really sucks, right? A lot of injuries. And Alexander Madison also hurt his ankle. He, that could be a high ankle sprain, which would mean that Ty Chandler would end up being the guy for the next couple of weeks if, if that is the, the injury, if it ends up being a high ankle sprain. But, you know, hopefully we hear more on that soon so we'll know what to do before waivers. But so many injuries, man. So many injuries. Just ridiculous. Yeah, and for me, I don't know. If we if we're right back to square one, because the way they talk about Justin Jefferson's injury, the way it looked, you know, all this stuff. I don't know if he's going to be out a week, if he's going to be out multiple weeks. I'm not sure. He might not miss time. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's coming. But the switch at quarterback. Another thing was I don't know if you saw this report. Maybe it was just me. But they said like Josh Dobbs went out and he was being checked for some knee injury, and that might have been a reason why he was pulled out of the game. I don't know. I, it, it, there's a justification either way because your team has scored zero points, you know, all game. You can pull Josh <laughs> yeah. Dobbs realistically at that point. But for me, I don't know how much the quarterback change makes a difference to me. Like the caliber of the quarterback play, like maybe Josh Dobbs can extend the play a little bit better than Nick Mullins. Right. But I don't know how much of a delta there is between their talent and what they're going to do for the Vikings offense. It's just we're back to the same spot. As we were coming into the in, in the coming in the last week, where Justin Jefferson was out of the picture, I would go into this week assuming Justin Jefferson is not going to play Week 15, just based off the nature of the injury that we saw, and that you're going to be looking at Hawkinson as a guy that's probably going to lead the team in targets. Jordan Addison, shaky start at best. I'd say he's a flex. You know, I don't even know if I trust him there. Just the way that he's been producing because his production was tied to Kirk Cousins. He hasn't produced the same way um, as he has earlier in the season um, these past few weeks. So for me. Not a whole lot changes. And Alexander Madison, if you replace him with Ty Chandler, it seems like it's, you know, pretty much the same thing there, too. So there's a lot of turnover, but there's not that much of a delta, I don't think, between any of these players. And you're going to get well, probably the same schematic, you know, look at them every way. I, I, I would say, like, I would say there would be a significant, you know, increase in, in, you know, running back production for fantasy because, like, you could really start either of these guys, Madison or, you know, but if you could start one of them, then like you can get some fantasy points here, right? Like regardless of who the quarterback is. So I think one of these guys can enter the RB2 conversation if it was just them. Madison had that opportunity early on. He squandered it, right? Like he had the opportunity. He had the snaps. He had the touches. He just he just couldn't come through. Now, will Ty Chandler take advantage of that opportunity? Possibly. Like if he gets 18 touches, like can he come through as an RB2? Yeah, I think he can. He has that explosive ability too. Much more explosive than Madison. So I think there is a possibility that, you know, he could end up being in lineups um, next week. Now, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I, the, what I was thinking was like one of the reasons that Josh Dobbs could have been benched in this game was because of the throw that he, he gave to Justin Jefferson that ended up causing the hit right <laughs> on him. So it's like yeah. Kevin O'Connell is probably like, dude, you just injured my star wide receiver. You're out of here, right? Like I can totally yeah. see that happening because <laughs> it was a bad throw that Justin Jefferson, first of all, Jefferson dusted the the corner, whoever was in that in coverage. I don't, I don't know who it was on that play. Dusted him, went to the middle of the field, had to reach up to grab that ball, um, and then he got hit while he was grabbing that ball. So, like, if it was a better ball or if he just didn't throw it, Justin Jefferson would be fine, right? 
Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately, time, if you're not throwing to Justin Jefferson, then you get you know flamed for that. It's like why aren't you using your top weapon? Well, I don't know. <laughs> sure, but like it, yeah. you know, he it was just a dangerous throw, right? And it's one of those things oh, yeah. like you know, Tom Brady. He hung him out to dry before. He hung him out to dry. You know, that's that's pretty much what it is. So yeah, it sucks. All right, moving on. Uh, speaking of injuries, Justin Herbert fractured his index finger on his right hand. Yeah. I, I imagine yeah. that he'd be missing next week as well. Who knows if he'll be, he'll be back this season. This absolutely sucks. I'm talking like this because I don't know how else to talk. Um, so we'll keep He's monitoring like that. Been that so ob- many. It's like we've been it's through so this crazy. so many times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this would obviously affect Keenan Allen next week with Easton Stick most likely starting. Uh, but I will not thinking about I will not think about benching Keenan Allen even if Herbert misses time. Yeah, no. There's no argument to be made for Benjamin Keenan Allen in any situation because he's still going to have, you know, 10, 12 target upside every single week because he's all they have left in the passing game at this point. There's, there's nobody else. Besides Austin Eckler. Okay. The Chargers only scored seven points and that one touchdown ended up coming from Austin Eckler. Goal line touchdown. He came through when it mattered. Okay. 10 carries, 51 yards, and that touchdown. Five catches for 49 yards. He looked a lot better in this game. They gave Isaiah Spiller six carries. They gave Josh Galley three carries. Uh, so Eckler only had about 50% of the rushing attempts when, you know, he usually averages around 70%, right? But I'd imagine that goes up after this game, after how effective, uh, how effective he was overall and then how ineffective those other running backs were. Yeah, it's... This is a situation where Austin Eckler, he, he's going to be, you know, pretty much at the mercy of the offense. <laughs> and I know he scored the only points of the game. I, I don't want to buy too much into this one just because, you know, the way that the, the game went, the Chargers have been horrific on offense these past few weeks. Were you watching a game at all? Like, did you see it? They're like, so they bad. announced the touchdown. Oh, yeah. they, they announced the touchdown for the Chargers. Like, their first offensive touchdown in how many quarters? It's like, oh, my God. I don't know what's going on. But now that Justin Herbert's out, I don't want to, I don't really want to trust Eckler, you know. Brandon Staley. I mean, Needs to go, yeah. Get him well, out of okay. there. That, that that's been that's Get been like out. a given. We know, we know. That's been it's a given. Been a and given. I would argue now, there is no way you let him go on to week fifteen. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But at this point, the season is over <laughs> for the Chargers. Like yeah. the, the damage has been done. You have now sacrificed your 2023 this, season. God, week fifteen, week sixteen, week seventeen, week eighteen. You got a whole month of games here. But okay. who are you going? Get like, him out of wh- there. What are you going? To, yeah, he'll fire him. But what are you going to gain? Well, from it's, that? it's an interim. You know what I mean? Well, listen, you, morale, morale. I guess right? maybe you 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 just you just ha- see what you can get out of certain players with a different coach, right? Interim coach, get some energy in there because you have a whole be, four games here. It'll be bad. I feel like it's, it's an easier answer to say fire him now. But if Justin Herbert were healthy or going, we knew he was going to be healthy because now sure. it's like. What are you going to learn from a team with an interim head coach if they have Easton Stick at quarterback? Like it's just going to yeah. make whoever the interim yeah, head coach is look bad. So it's like <laughs> it's right. tough. Like just let Brandon Stick ride Stanley out. Worse. <laughs> yeah, just let let it go. Just let him add to his get fired resume at this point because you're probably going to fire him anyway. All right, moving on. Forty uh, ers Every single Forty ers player basically came through for you this week, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy came through. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 16 carries, 145 yards. He came through. He only had one catch, but it didn't matter. No he ended up coming through though. for you for the most part. But he no sucked. touchdowns. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, but Arizona, next week for running backs, like he'll make up for it next week. Okay. He'll yeah. probably have like four touchdowns next week. Um, 
you know, and then you know, you you look at what these guys did. Debo Samuel, seven catches, one hundred forty nine yards. Brandon Ayuk, six catches, one hundred twenty six yards. George Kittle, seventy six seventy six yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, by the way, also had a rushing touchdown in this game too. He was just bo- he was just went bonkers in this game, dude. He's been yeah. he's been go- he's been on a tear over these he's last three games. Taken over. He's completely taken over. And it's funny. I just looked at it since he said Christian McCaffrey's probably going to score four touchdowns against the Cardinals next week. And you know how many touchdowns he had the first time they played against the Cardinals? <laughs> he had four, four. touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's very much on the table, you know, when we have these discussions about Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, he'll probably come through next week, you know, and just correct any wrongdoing he did for you with a 16-point performance. Oh, terrible, you know. What are you going to do? But Debo Samuel, for me, is that, that's like the biggest thing. They're, he's looking like 2021 Debo Samuel again. And they're not just relegating him to a point where he's getting just a couple touches. You know, he had more targets. He had a couple carries this game. His usage has been like really low compared to the production he's been putting up. But now the usage looks a little bit closer to what we want it to be, you know, for this to be considered like, you know, sustainable production. But when you're on the 49ers offense, you can be touchdown dependent and just survive. You know, Brandon Ayuk didn't even score a touchdown. He came through, like you mentioned. Christian McCaffrey's the same story. There's so many points to go around. It's just a matter of who's getting it any given week. So there's this no question. All of them got it. Yeah, Good you start them. all of your 49ers. This wasn't. This isn't like any new analysis we're doing. But you start all of them, and you're just happy about it at this point. The way that the 49ers offense is playing. Zach Charbonnet was very involved this week. He he actually outcarried Kenneth Walker in the first half. So who knows if they were trying to limit Kenneth Walker or what. But as of right now, the Seattle backfield is a timeshare between these two guys. Walker was shaken up after a play late in the game, so monitor anything there. But Philly, Philly and then Tennessee the next two weeks for this backfield is not ideal. Okay, so not really excited to start either of these guys right now. Okay. No. Um, or either. I, move, I know. Hang on. Just before we go, like, are you considering yep. either of them in like the RB two conversation? Like, or is it low RB two at best? A, neither of them will be ranked as an RB two next week, most likely, with right. with no teams on by. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point right there. Yeah, it's gonna make it tough. Yeah. I hear you. It's gonna make it tough. It is. Um, I need to see a game from Walker to like kind of take over that backfield again. Didn't happen this week. I want to move to the Bills and Chiefs game. We won't be talking about Eagles Cowboys um, because that game hasn't happened yet. We're like in the middle of that game right now. It's happening right now. No idea what's what's happening in that game because I have it on delay and I'll watch it right after this. Uh, but <laughs> Bills, oh, I'm just kidding. Bills, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Zach is wearing his Dak Prescott jersey right now, so he's obviously yeah. he he can't wait. Um, Bills Chiefs. Okay, we talked about Stephon Diggs tempering expectations on him. And that kind of played out. Four catches for 24 yards, 11 targets. Tough, tough matchup. He did not come through. Okay. Legarius James Lee's <laughs> a baller. Baller. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic corner. James Cook, though, 10 catches. I'm sorry, 10 carries for 58 yards. Five catches on five targets for 83 yards and a touchdown. This was a good matchup for him. He came through big time for you. If you started him, uh, hopefully he was in your lineup this week. Uh, Dawson Knox was pretty involved in this game, man. Uh, three catches, 36 yards. Uh, Kincaid, though, five catches for 21 yards, but he had the eight targets uh, in this game. So I do want to, real quick, I want to check to see. Uh, I don't have those numbers yet. Damn it. Um, I, I wanted oh, to see how many routes these guys ran. Actually, I can just check it right now for you guys real quick because I think this is a, a pretty important piece of information here that I can give you guys. Okay, so... This is one of the things Dawson, that we're watching coming into the game. 
Yeah. Exactly. So Dawson Knox ran 19 routes in this game. Uh, and then we have Dalton Kincaid, who ran. So that was 19 routes. And then Dalton Kincaid. This is this game just finished, guys. So that's why. Not, and Dalton Kincaid ran 44 routes. Okay. So you can see the the, the big ass difference here, you know, yeah. between those two and guys. Nice. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it looks like Kincaid can continue to be startable. Now, does his role, does Knox's role increase a little bit? Maybe, but think about it. Josh Allen had 42 pass attempts, okay? <laughs> so if Josh Allen had 42 pass attempts and Dalton Kincaid ran 44 routes, uh, we're looking pretty good right now. Okay, yeah. so not bad. I'd say so. Okay. I'm, um, I, I'm then, personally just approaching the tight end room. The way I'm looking at it is Dalton Kincaid starting again next week, like normal. Yep. Like, Keep don't going. let Dawson Keep Knox scare normal. you at this point. Like, wait until something substantial happens to make you have to move off of, of Dalton Kincaid. But right now, what we saw this yeah. week, not even close to making me worried about it, considering what we've seen from Dalton Kincaid so far. 100%. Okay. And real quick, you know, Rashi Rice continuing to do his thing. That's three games in a row with amazing usage. He had the, the tough fumble, bad fumble, but whatever. For fantasy, he got it done. Seven catches on mm-hmm. 10 targets, 72 yards and a touchdown. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Keep starting him. He's in the wide receiver two conversation right now, guys. He is. I have to say yep. it. Um, this backfield was split basically down the middle. Okay. Uh, 23 snaps for CEH, 20 snaps for McKinnon. Uh, CEH was the primary rusher, but McKinnon got the goal line carry. Okay. Uh, and he also uh, got the routes in this game. Uh, well, actually, CEH only ran one less route than McKinnon. But. Um, you know, McKinnon ended up with seven total opportunities. CH ended up with uh, 15 total opportunities in this game. Still, man, I still want to start McKinnon over CEH regardless because uh, you, you look at McKinnon's usage near the, near the red zone. For me, that's really what it comes down to. Um, it's like, you know, CH is startable, though. He's like a flex play, a little bit of a deeper flex play. But, you know, it doesn't seem like either of these running backs are can be too reliable, you know, assuming Isaiah Pacheco misses another game. But there was a report that said that Pacheco uh, hopefully will be, back, will be back sooner or later and he will not be placed on IR. So that's good news if you have Pacheco. Yeah. And that was, I don't know if you saw, there was another report that came out. It was like pretty cryptic. They said like, oh, Andy Reid was asked about IR for Pacheco and he said, we'll see. It's like, oh. Well, that makes yeah, you think that you might that have was to before. have him. Yeah, that, yeah mm-hmm. that was before. And then there was a new update today uh, from, right. I think it was Ian Rappaport, that said that um, Pacheco should not be placed on IR, and then he'll be back sooner than later, which is good. Good. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. Uh, that's the ideal scenario here. Like, yeah. as great as it is watching Jerry McKinnon and CEH be platooned, like, I'd rather see Isaiah, Isaiah <laughs> Pacheco. That's, that, that's just me. <laughs> a thousand percent, man. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. We appreciate you. If you could subscribe to the podcast on your app, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to us. Hit add, hit follow, hit subscribe wherever you listen. We appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow with the Wave of Wire show. Take it easy. Hopefully, you made it to the playoffs. Um, if you didn't, you can yell at me. But if you did, hit me up. Let me know. Take it easy, guys. See ya.